What a powerful symbol. What a powerful picture of how everything went wrong. Before we get into that, I want to extend my welcome to everybody here. It's so great to have everyone this morning. It's great to be a part of a great growing community. And uh, welcome if you're here for the first time or you're here as a guest. We're just so glad to have you. And of course, if you're joining us online, we welcome you as well. Um, You've joined us at a great time because we are right at the start of a series which we're calling A Doubter's Guide to the Bible. And uh, this series, um, as John Dixon uh, just explains, based on the book by the same name, by him, by Dr. John Dixon, and, and it's a journey through the Bible from the start in Genesis to right to the end in Revelation in, uh, in a way that hopefully anybody can grasp, and uh, especially if you have doubts, if you have doubts about faith, if you have doubts about the Bible, about Jesus, about church, any of that. Uh, and if you do, we welcome you. We welcome you because welcome to the club. <laughs> we have all had doubts from time to time about some of the most important things in our lives. In fact, if they weren't so important, maybe we wouldn't doubt them. But for those of you who are interested, we are following along with the book, and, and it is available uh, for purchase out in the foyer afterwards, and encourage you to make that investment. I know a couple of, a couple of dozen people uh, did that last week, and I encourage you to do that. And, um, uh, and in addition to that, um, in a few weeks, or a couple of months actually, we've got John Dixon himself coming in person, which is really exciting. He's going to wrap up this series for us. It is May 31st. He's going to be speaking at both of our services, two different messages, and really encourage you to be thinking already who it is that you would like to invite along to that, uh, because that's going to be a lot of fun, uh, but also very informative and really interesting as well. John's a fantastic communicator. Well, last week, Sandy uh, in the morning and Joel in the evening kicked us off with this series, as I said, and, and they talked about the Bible being a roadmap for life, a roadmap for life, and that it teaches us how to relate socially, as in how to relate to others around us, it teaches us how to relate physically to the physical world around us, and it teaches us how to relate spiritually to our Creator, God. And they said that the first couple of chapters of the Bible, the first couple of chapters of Genesis, teach us that that God created the universe deliberately, not an accident, but deliberately, and that he created us good. They said that a good God created a good world in which he placed good people to do good work so that they could live the good life. It was good. That's right, it was good. Everything was created good. And humanity was created good. In fact, humanity was created very good. Humanity was created in the image of God, in God's very likeness, and and created to have that good relationship with each other, that good relationship with the physical world around them, and the good relationship with their creator, God. And, And this understanding forms the basis of a Christian's worldview, that 
that God created us deliberately. It wasn't an accident. And so therefore, we each have a purpose. We each have a purpose. And, and because God created us in his image and God created us very good, that means there is goodness in our DNA. There is goodness in our DNA that, that each and every one of us has goodness inside of us. And, and each and every one of us, therefore, has incredible and immense value to God, that we matter to God. So much so that he sent his one and only son to die for us. That's how much we matter to him. But you see, unless you've been living under a rock in a cave in southwestern Tasmania somewhere, completely cut off from the outside world, you'll understand that the world that we live in today, and in fact our lives don't always, in fact, very rarely reflect the picture of how we were created that is is painted in Genesis 1 and 2. There is still lots that is good in the world, isn't there? There There's still so much that is good about our world. There is still so much that is good about people and humanity and each and every one of our lives. We we can pinpoint things that are really good in our lives. But there are also many things that are not good. In fact, there are many things that are bad and some things that are downright evil. So what happened? What happened? Something happened. If everything was good and created very good, and that's not the situation now, something happened. Something changed. Something, one thing happened that flipped the world on its head for the rest of history. Now, I've just come back from a few weeks' holiday, and uh, on my holidays I read a few books, and uh, one of the books that I read was a novel, which um, is novel for me, Uh, I don't read fiction a whole lot, but I enjoyed this one. The book was called The President is Missing. And I bet you you can't tell me what that was about. The President, right, goes missing. Okay, yes, good. But the President, he goes off to save the world. To save the world. Because you see, um, there's a terrorist, and he sent this huge computer virus to the US, and when it's activated... It will wipe every, every single bit of data off any device that is connected to the internet that we exist. So, like, no financial records anymore, no medical records, no traffic control towers, no electricity power stations, no water purification, no traffic lights, etc., etc., you know? And that leads to incredible chaos and and the exposure of humanity's darkest survival instincts, and that leads to World War III with Russia, and that leads to the untimely death of the entire human race. It's quite, it's quite interesting. It's, it's good fun. <laughs> Spoiler alert, the president saves the world, okay? <laughs> yay, 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 go the president, okay. Anyone would think that one of the authors actually had a pretty high view of the presidency... Uh, some sort of superhero complex, perhaps. But uh, now, yeah, 
while this story, right, is complete fiction, all right, it's completely made up, and it really has no consequence for real life, it is a story in which one action can completely turn the world on its head and completely change the entire history of mankind from that point on. A story that's very similar, in a way, to the story that we're reading about and following on with today. So I encourage you to grab a Bible if you don't have one uh, on you or on your phone or the first thing going to be on the screen. We're going to continue this story, this narrative of the Bible um, from where we left off last week. From Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and work it, work it, and to take care of it. And I'm a bit of a silly mood this morning. I'm just going to warn you. Uh, and the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will certainly die. Now, seems like pretty simple instructions, doesn't it? Um, the fruit of this tree would allow the eater to determine for themselves what was good and what was evil. And we're not just talking about the ability to know the difference between good and evil. We're talking about the ability and the authority to actually decide what was good and what was evil. Now, why would God not want his created beings to have that power, to have that ability? Well, you know, was he a power-hungry God who just wanted to put his, stamp his foot down in authority on his creation? Well, no, I don't think so. I don't think the rest of the Bible reflects that kind of God. Was there some kind of moral law that, that even God fit into? that we were just trying to follow? Well, no, I don't think so, because the very first verse of the Bible says that in the beginning, God, like there was nothing before God, nothing for him to conform to or to fit into. So why didn't God want his created beings to have this ability to choose for themselves what was good and what was evil? Well, remember, they were created in his image, are created in his image, in the image of goodness personified. God is all goodness. Goodness comes from God. You see, only God could truly determine what was good and what was evil because he is good, purely good. And while we were made in his image, we aren't him. And therefore, it's not our job to decide for ourselves what was good and what was evil. It's our job to reflect the goodness of God that's already there. So God tells Adam and Eve that, yeah, I'm just picturing the orientation day in the Garden of Eden, where God tells Adam and Eve, you know, over here, there's some amazing salad bar options. Incredible veggies. You, you have never tasted the like of these. are incredible. Just go for your life. Completely, you will never feel full, by the way. Just eat as much as you want. Just go for it, right? 
Now, if you want to spice that, those up, you can head over here. The trees over here will make the best fruit salad you have ever tasted. The fruit is just juicy and sweet and incredible. You will, you will never have anything like it, right? Just go for it. Absolutely just knock yourselves out. Now, if you go around that way, just around the tree in the middle, don't touch the tree in the middle, go around the tree in the middle. On the other side of that tree... There's the chocolate trees. Now, I'm sure there were chocolate trees in the Garden of Eden, right? Yeah. So the chocolate trees are just around there. And then on the other side, there's the ice cream trees and whatever else you want trees, right? Just remember, just you know, go around the tree in the middle. That's all you have to do. Just don't touch the tree in the middle. You will die if you touch the tree in the middle. Uh, but just go for everything else. You know? The rest is yours. It will replenish on its own. Uh, you don't have to work for it. You don't have to do anything for it. It's free. Uh, you can eat literally all you can eat uh, because you'll never get full. It will never rot. It's just there forever. Just go for it. Pretty simple instructions. Uh, but sometimes uh, us humans can't help ourselves, can we? <laughs> Sometimes we just can't help ourselves. Like it reminds me of this sign uh, that you see sometimes where it's, you know, what happens? What happens when we're told not to do something? We, uh, we, it's very hard not to touch the paint. <laughs> very hard. Oh, man. And that, that was all the way back then too, eh? We just can't help ourselves, can we? We continue to read in Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here... <laughs> First mistake, right? First mistake, Adam blames God. The woman you put here with me, all right? Bad mistake, number one. <laughs> but wait. She gave me some fruit from the tree. Mistake number two. <laughs> Fellas. Fellas, <laughs> don't ever blame your wife. Don't ever blame your wife. Oh, man. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? 
And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, <laughs> and I ate it. Even she's pointing a finger and blaming someone else. How many times do we, all of us, from time to time, come up with some lame excuse for something that we did wrong or some bad choice that we made, or maybe even point the finger at someone else Stu, I reckon you've heard several, you know, yeah, uh, sorry, officer, my uh, speedo must be broken. <laughs> you know, like, how many times do we do that? We find some lame excuse or point the finger at somebody else to make ourselves not look so bad after all. We are very willing to throw other people under the bus, aren't we? You see, by eating the fruit of this tree, Adam and Eve what they were really saying was that we're not content, we're not satisfied just being made in God's image. We want to actually be God. We want to do only what He can do. We're not satisfied with just being made in His image. We want to be God. And it's at this point where the consequences of that decision I really felt. And unfortunately, everything goes to, you know what, it goes down the toilet. Socially, things go bad, right? Relationships are all of a sudden a lot harder. There's fighting, there's arguing, there's conflict, there's um, murder, there's war. Our relationships with each other suddenly become a whole lot Harder. Men actually have to start using words to communicate to their wives uh, rather than just grunts. Uh, men actually have to turn the TV volume down before they hear their wives uh, rather than just hearing them magically. Women actually have to start using words rather than telepathy <laughs> to, that their husbands would just understand what they're talking about without actually using words. Amazing how things went wrong, hey? Physically, things went wrong as well. The world around us got so much harder to live in. We had to actually work for our food. We actually had to sweat and do hard work and get dirty to grow food out of the ground. So much harder than just walking around every tree you see. You can just, and just have your fill. So much harder. In fact, we had to work harder, but also it suddenly we had to rely on things like the weather that we had no control over. And, of course, we know that many farmers in Australia today know that struggle all too well. And all of a sudden, you know, our bodies as well, our physical bodies change. You know, we can we all of a sudden feel pain. All of a sudden we can get ill and experience illness. All of a sudden we can experience things like grief and sadness. And of course we can all of a sudden experience physical death. And possibly saddest of all, our, our spiritual relationships crumble. The relationship, the good relationship that we had with our good creator God fall apart. Because we've decided that we're not content just being made in his image, but we want to actually be God ourselves. And therefore, our 
ideas of what is good and evil don't match up with the goodness of God and what he says is good and evil. And therefore, we can't possibly be a 100% reflection of our Creator anymore. We're still made in His image, but, but we don't 100% purely reflect Him anymore. And therefore, we cannot have a right relationship with Him anymore. And throughout the first 11 chapters of Genesis we see over and over again stories of how the consequences of this decision play out throughout generations in the coming years. And it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. Until it gets to a point where John Dixon in his book says that without God's gracious intervention, humanity is on a spiral of self-absorption Injustice and arrogance that will lead to humanity's ultimate fall. One decision, one choice that flipped the world on its head and changed history forever. Now, as we read this story, right, I think it's really easy for us to separate ourselves from the story. Just like it's really easy for me to separate myself from the novel that I read, it's really easy for us to put some distance between us and this story and kind of stand back and say, you, you morons, what were you doing? You had one job. <laughs> Just don't eat from that one tree. All the rest, it would have been, how easy is that to make a decision? Come on. It's very easy for us, isn't it, to separate ourselves from that story. But the truth is, that Adam and Eve's story is our story. Adam and Eve's story is our story too. Adam and Eve's story is my story. You see, over and over again in my life, I have decided that I'm not satisfied with just being made in God's likeness, in the very image of goodness itself, but I want to be God of my own life. I want to decide what's good and what's evil for myself. And it's at that point where things start to go bad. <laughs> and not only that, but there are, there are things that I have known to be wrong, but I have done them anyway. Can anyone, let's have an honesty session right now. Come on, anyone join me in that? Have you ever done something that you knew was wrong, but you just did it anyway? Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but there are things that I've known to be good that I have decided not to do. Anyone join me in that one? Yeah, come on, you're only admitting it to your closest 300 friends, it's all good. You see, Adam and Eve's story is my story. Adam and Eve's story is our story. It's your story too. So while we need to start with this foundational understanding, right, that we learnt last week, that, that God created each and every one of us deliberately with a purpose, that we were created good in His image, and we have goodness in our DNA, and we are incredibly valuable to God, that is all still true. But now we must recognise that we are bound 
by a dark thread that now runs throughout humanity. We are still made in God's image, but we don't purely and properly reflect him anymore. John Dixon, in this book, he puts it like this, and and this is a really good way to remember it. He says, we are fundamentally glorious and fundamentally wretched at the same time. We are now fundamentally glorious and fundamentally wretched at the same time. Now, all this sounds pretty depressing, really. (laughs) It all sounds pretty gloomy. But you know what? I think coming to this understanding that we are all fundamentally glorious and fundamentally wretched at the same time can actually spark hope in us. Understanding that can actually be what moves us to hope. Because, you see, we are all in the same boat. (laughs) We are all fundamentally glorious and fundamentally wretched at the same time. And understanding this and reminding ourselves, perhaps, of this can lead us to living more like Christ. For instance, there might be people in our lives who we need to extend love and forgiveness to. Because quite honestly, sometimes we too easily see the fundamentally wretched and we forget about the fundamentally glorious part of it. For some of us, it might mean that um, in the future we need to, we, we, we think twice about judging somebody else. Because I also think that sometimes when it comes to ourselves, we, we remember quite easily the fundamentally glorious part and we maybe forget the fundamentally wretched part. <laughs> that we are all both fundamentally wretched and fundamentally glorious at the same time. And we're about to sing our last song, uh, and the team's going to lead us in that, but as we do, I want to encourage each and every one of us to think about what does this understanding bring us to? What decision is it that I need to make having understood this? Having read about the fact that, uh, you know, we started off so good, and then one decision turned everything on its head. And we now have this dark thread that binds us through humanity. And we are both fundamentally glorious and fundamentally wretched at the same time. What action in your life does that understanding provoke? Perhaps for you it is that forgiveness of somebody else. Perhaps for you it's to, to slow down on judging others. Perhaps for you, it just leads you into a deeper sense of thankfulness and worship of what God has done through Jesus. Wow, God, I am so wretched. You saved a wretch like me, yeah? Wow, I'm so thankful. Maybe that leads us to a deeper place of worship. Maybe for some of us, maybe it's the catalyst for 
making that decision to follow Jesus for the first time. Because you see, while everything fell apart, and every time you and I decide to take that fruit and eat it for ourselves and make that decision for ourselves that we shouldn't be making, every time that falls apart, God can intervene in our lives. God wants to intervene in our lives. Because later we will read and we will hear that, of course, He sends His one and only Son to intervene. That to restore those relationships that were broken. To restore the fact that socially our relationships with others are a mess. That our relationship with the physical world around us is a mess and our relationship with God is maybe even non-existent. God sent His one and only Son to restore those things in our lives. And all we have to do is have faith in Him. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's why we gather each and every Sunday to worship. It's because of that. So we're going to do that in just a moment. We're going to start singing. And I encourage you to stand as we do that right now. Um, But before we sing, I just want to lead us in a prayer. And maybe you want to pray this along with me. Maybe you just want to let these words um, wash over you in a way or reflect on them. And then we'll sing. Lord, we just... First of all, we're just so thankful. We are so grateful that you have an immense love for us, that you value us so much that you would send your son for us to intervene. We're so grateful for that. And Lord, we are so sorry for the times that we have taken upon ourselves where we haven't been satisfied just being made in your image and made in your likeness, God, but we've wanted to take your job. We've wanted to be, God, in our own lives. Lord, we know that that's a bad decision. We know we can't really undo that decision, but you can, Lord. You can see us as very good again. And so, Lord, right now, we just thank you for Jesus. We accept his grace in our lives once again. And, Lord, we just ask that you help us to continue to live a life that does reflect your goodness. That does, in a sense, work at those relationships with others and making them good again that we work at those relationships with our physical world around us and, and we make them good again. And Lord, we ask that you make us good again with you. We thank you, Lord, for all of this. And uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.